I have the privilege of introducing our speaker to you this morning, and she is amazing, and there is no other way to describe it. Um, uh, she is kind of a foundation person. She put the vision in place along with Dennis um, with, this, with the place that we've got here, the Hope House, the Wasbans Christian Fellowship. So I want to give you, um, I, want to, I want you to give her a massive, massive round of applause because Sue Bavisser is going to come and share with us this morning. And she's got her heart. I know you clap because you know I don't like it. You have to excuse me. When you get to my age, it's glasses, it's can you see, can you even keep track with what you're saying? Because I lose the thread these days. Um, I watched The Trooping of the Colour yesterday. I always do. I have to sit and watch it with my mother anyway because, of course, she was in the war and she was in the army and, you know, we, ha- we have to watch. But it was the Queen's official birthday. And it's a wonderful display. It's an incredible display uh, to see the armed forces and, and the music. And it's so exciting. I thought, it's the Queen's official birthday. Well, guys... It's birthday today, but it's a much bigger birthday. <laughs> a much more important birthday than even Queen Elizabeth II. Because today is the birthday of the church. So, right, can we have it? Are you going to sing? Are you going to sing it? Are you going to sing? Happy birthday to the church. I heard Matt Redman on the um, Radio 4 service this morning, and he said, he said this, no Pentecost, no church. No Pentecost, no church. It's that important. Pentecost is so important. I'm going to, now, there are some things I want to share with you, um, but... I can't help but just get excited about Pentecost, first of all, because that was the when the Holy Spirit was... He, at last, was able to fulfill his ministry in the world. Jesus had said, it is finished. I've done the work I came to do. He was resurrected. He ascended into heaven. And then we have the Holy Spirit uh, coming. And I get so excited because... No one here, pretty well, oh, few might, but I, I came into to an experience of the Holy Spirit in, in about 1972. Don't try and work out how old I am. Uh, that was 1972. Now, none of you will realize that the church in those days was very split between a Pentecostal church that everybody thought was a bit weird and the rest of churches in the nation, who really, we weren't quite sure. We knew that Pentecost had happened, but the general consensus was that was for the apostles only. Um, And the Holy Spirit, yes, came to us when we became Christians, but 
from there on, the Holy Spirit really took a back seat. Um, and in the early 70s, quite supernaturally, um, uh, you've, you've all heard the story, most of you have anyway, that my, my husband had this deep experience of the Holy Spirit because a 14-year-old lad that he taught in the grammar school knocked on the staff room door and said, Mr. Bavister, and this, by the way, is Rachel, Rachel Taylor's dad when he was 14, um, knocked on the staff room door and said, Mr. Bavister, can you help me? I, I, I've had this revelation of Jesus, and I, I've been speaking in a language, and I don't know what's happening to me. And Dennis thought, oh, my goodness, I haven't a clue what this is all about. What am I going to do? Uh, that night, I came in from work to find the teacher and the 14-year-old pupil rolling around the floor, laughing, crying, speaking in tongues, and doing what I thought was absolutely bizarre. So I left the house, went to visit a Methodist friend up the road and said, I'm not going back there, he's gone mad. (laughs) Um, and, And it took me a year of actually seeking God. Not seeking this baptism in the Spirit, not seeking anything other than, I have got to see Jesus in a new way. I've got to have a new experience. And I just went on and on and on for a year until I got hold of something and um, spent time in God's presence, saw him in a a new way, and then received some of the gifts that um, are there available. So I get excited. I can't help but get excited. Oh, and the other uh, thing about it was at the time was Uh, What was happening to us was happening around the nation, but a lot of our Christian friends said we'd gone mad. And uh, we even had friends from the Bible college that Dennis had been at in uh, London years earlier saying, are you mad? What are you getting into? So in those days, in the early 70s, to get excited and to say I'm having an experience of the Holy Spirit was not the thing to do if you're a sensible Christian. Nowadays, thank God, we've got a lot of not sensible Christians. (laughs) Um, But listen, I want to just read. Uh, This is Tom Wright, the Anglican theologian, great guy. This is what he says. It was a great day, sometimes called the birthday of the church. The great wind of God's spirit had swept through Jesus' followers and filled them with a new joy and a sense of God's presence and power. Their leader, Peter, who only a few weeks before had been crying like a baby because he lied and cursed and denied even knowing Jesus, found himself on his feet explaining to a huge crowd that something had happened which had changed the world forever. What God had done for him, Peter, he was beginning to do for the whole world. New life, forgiveness, new hope, power were opening up like spring flowers after a long winter. A new age had begun in which the living God was going to do new things in the world, beginning then and there with the individuals who were listening to him. This promise is for you, he said, and for your children... And for everyone who is far away, it wasn't just for the person standing next to you. It was for everyone.
the day of Pentecost. What, what I'm wanting to do, though, today is, I want, more than anything else, I want us to have a sense of this Jesus of the Holy Spirit experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm using that phrase. I, if some don't like it, I'm not, you know. I'm talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit because it's Pentecost so I can preach it. It's the birthday of the church. So this is what I... So I'm completely imbalanced today in one sense. We're, we're imbalanced. You might go away and say, oh, you didn't preach that today or you didn't say that. This is the birthday of the church. There wouldn't be a church. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Pentecost. If it hadn't been for that experience, we would not be here. But I want us to see that within seeking after this experience, what we are seeking after is Jesus. And a new revelation of Jesus. Um, We are in a bit of danger these days of of thinking, oh, I need the Holy Spirit because I need to lay hands on people for healing. I need to do miracles. I need to do this. I need to do that. What I want us to see today is those things are there, but they are part of the power that the Holy Spirit gives us. We're not talking here about, again... Don't let's think of the Holy Spirit as power. Power is what the Holy Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit is is here and came first and foremost to glorify Jesus and to show us Jesus. The power and the gifts. On the day of Pentecost, I think... um, I, I wonder if we sort of think, ah, day of Pentecost. Everybody spoke in other tongues. Peter, Peter preached, um, uh, and it was all power, power. It was, but that power had come from the fact that those disciples who'd been in a t- terrible mess had suddenly spent time waiting on God, and suddenly, as... Tom Wright says here, they had an experience of Jesus that excited them so much. So much. They were so excited that they went out fearless. A bit, Paul last week when he was preaching about risk, they went out there fearless preaching. They they didn't go out there to, oh, suddenly... Tongues of fire have come down, and we get hold of these tongues of fire, and they're power, and we're going to do these things. No, no. Jesus had already said to them, go and wait. Go and wait. And when he comes, what he will do is glorify me. He will bring glory to me. And so, Paul, in in, in 2 Corinthians 3 he, he harks back to, and I spoke about this last time, um, when the glory came, when Moses saw the glory of God. But when, when Moses saw the glory of God, it was for a specific time when he went into God's presence 
But it then says the glory faded. The glory faded. But in Corinthians it says, but when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, the glory won't fade. The glory is there, available and permanent. Because the Holy Spirit is there, bringing glory to Jesus. Now, the, the things I particularly want to share this morning are, um, are because I think sometimes it's wonderful in the modern church today. We, we deal with a lot of practical things. We deal with life. We, it, it's all real, real stuff about real people. I, I'm taking you to a, somewhere else today. Um, because that is good, and this is what we've got to do. How do we live? Jesus will show us how to live. Um, and, but the danger is we can sometimes bring Jesus down to our level to be part of us. And Jesus is much bigger than just a person who walks the earth doing good and, and actually doing the miraculous we have to see him as he really is. And, and sometimes I think we sort of just look at Jesus, even as, don't get me wrong here, I'm not heretical, but when Jesus was alive, he'd, he laid aside his glory to live on earth. He became a man. He was still God, but he laid it aside. And if we just only ever stay there, we, we're tempted to put Jesus into the same position as ourselves. He is our friend. He is uh, our father, God our father. And, and this is great, but, you know, we're talking about the God of the universe. Jesus is part of the Godhead. Jesus is not just the man who laid aside his glory, even as God, and he, he died on the cross for our sins. And he did his work, but we need to see him in a, in a deeper way. Now, I want to take us to, I've only just started, I'm sorry about this. Stop me when the time's up. I want to take you to Revelation, if you've got your Bibles. I want to take you to the book of Revelation. Um, okay. Now here we've got John. John was a, a, a John was a church leader, a pastor. He was probably in charge and apostolic cover of the seven churches in Revelation. Um, that's probably why he was in prison. Um, because he had probably planted seven churches on the road, on the road going towards Turkey. Um, and then we all know about the, the seven churches in Revelation. But it says, I, John, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He, was, he knew a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He knew uh, the depth of relationship. He said, um, and we say first nine, I think, isn't it? Yes, first nine. Uh, John, I'm your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patience and endurance of 
of which Jesus calls us. I was exiled on the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshipping in the spirit. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? I was worshipping in the spirit. And suddenly I heard from behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His hair, head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, it then goes on to say. This is Jesus in a whole new way, isn't it? This is, this is Jesus of the Godhead. And John had this amazing vision. But when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet as though dead. And I wonder if it's a time sometimes in these days, if we need more of that experience of Jesus, that we fall at his feet. We've seen it, I mean, we've seen it in scripture. Isaiah, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he fell, his feet, uh, fell, uh, fell on his face. Moses hid tried to hide almost from the glory maybe we need to just take stock sometimes and think of who we really are dealing with because when we talk further down the line about having power power to do things and unless we can see where the power has come from and who he is who that power is and who he is rather than an experience of power. I believe when we experience falling at his feet, then the power comes. Then we're able to do the things um, that he wants us to do. But isn't it amazing, amazing, that John fell at his feet as though dead, And what does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I've got this sorted. And this, to me, is an incredible thing. However far I want to go this way and say, wow, and fall at his feet, he's also behind there all the time saying, don't be afraid. I want to show you my glory, but don't be afraid of my glory. Because I want to reveal that glory to you. 
If you go on to the uh, next reading, which is Revelation chapter 3. Now, this is about the church in Laodicea. This is one of the oh, churches where that get told off. Everybody knows about the church in Laodicea because he said, I wish you were neither hot or cold. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Um, and it's quite, um, quite a nervy reading. Um, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot or cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need anything. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Now this is Jesus. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be ashamed uh, by your nakedness. Um, I says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. And then what's next? Most people preach on that. Let's not be hot, lukewarm. But what fascinates me again is this, this whole thing of who Jesus really is. Look. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And now, again, many people think of this knocking at the door is about becoming a Christian, but actually he's speaking to the church here. He's speaking to that church. I'm standing, I've just told you off, but because... <laughs> You're not doing what you should be doing. But listen, I want to come in. But not only do I want to come in, I want to share a meal with you. Now, I think sometimes many of us don't get any further than the knocking on the door. Jesus knocking on the door and saying, can I, can I come in? And there's that fear of, mm, mm, am I really going to open up my life? completely um i know the experience because many years ago nearly 30 years ago now i was in a situation in um uh, in china in the underground church there and i uh, we'd had some real difficulties in getting into china but we were in a city that was um, not open to westerners westerners had to be out by midnight anyway and it's town uh, cities of a million uh, but they still knew if you were there. And we went, to, there was a group of five of us. Uh, the other four were taken off to an orphanage. I was going to be going to speak to a group of young Chinese guys uh, later on. So I was left in this flat uh, on my own. And they said, whatever you do, don't open the door to anybody. <laughs> right? Do not open the door. Uh, now, with me... I'd been the idiot that carried the Bibles going through customs from Hong Kong into Guangzhou. I'd been chosen to do that. Um, <laughs> I must have had idiot written across my face. <laughs> uh, but believe it or not, I got all these Bibles in a John Lewis bag. <laughs> I, late, I later sent the photograph to John Lewis, actually. Um, uh, but I... 
I'd got these Bibles. I was in this flat. No sooner had they gone out in this old Jeep with curtains round so nobody could see who was in, um, there was a knock on the door. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. I thought, oh, <laughs> dear Lord, what do I do? What do I do? Uh, is this the Chinese police? Am I going to end up in prison? Shall I write a book on it when they let me out? <laughs> uh, but it went on and on. And it didn't go on like you imagined the police. Bang, 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 bang. So it was a gentle knock, knock, knock. But it went on and on and on. And I just had to say, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to open the door. <laughs> so I opened the door. And there's a woman there, didn't make eye contact with me whatsoever, walked past me, walked onto where this bed was with the John Lewis bag on it, um, Bible stacked in it. Um, She picked up the bag, walked out, and that was the end of that. All I know is later on in the day, well, we left that city at three minutes to midnight because the Christians like to play with the communist soldiers. So it was the last train out at three minutes to midnight. We'd run down all these little back alleys. And, uh, but as we got on that train, suddenly we were aware there was a whole group of soldiers behind us, police, pushing us onto this train. But I, I can just remember how I felt about this tap, 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 knock, knock, knocking on the door. And Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and knock. But the remarkable thing is, he says, I will come in and share a meal with you. He doesn't say, I will come in and teach you. He doesn't say, you know, I will come in and you can sit at my feet. He says, I'll come in and have a meal with you. I think this is just absolutely phenomenal because if you have a meal with somebody, you talk. You talk to each other and you get to know each other. I'll let you into a secret. These Bible weeks we go on, uh, the reason church leaders want you to go on a Bible week is because they want to get you all together in one place, eating meals together and sharing together because that's when the real business is done when people really know each other and know and can talk. And Jesus says, I actually, I actually want to come and sit and chat with you and talk over all that's going on. Well, when you consider that we are the church, we are the apostolic church, we live in the apostolic age We are in the last age before Jesus comes again. There's only one more prophecy to be fulfilled, and it's the one of Jesus coming again. We are living in the the day of the church. This is who who we are. And Jesus says, actually, I want to come and discuss it all with you. I want to be part of you. But, you know, sometimes he's knocking at that door and wanting to come in. And we're sort of either not listening or we'd prefer not to open the door because what that might open up. So we've just seen Jesus in all his glory, all his splendor, and we can fall at his feet in wonder and amazement. 
And then we have Jesus saying, I actually want to come and sit and talk all this lot through with you. I want to be there with you. I want to talk. Um, we, we all know how important sitting down for a meal together is in life. Uh, one of the biggest problems we've got in the, in the nation today is people don't sit down as families to have a meal. They have a tray on the knee, watch telly and eat whatever. It's not good for them. Um, but to sit down and fellowship together is so, so important. So we've got Jesus doing that, and then Jesus in his glory. And then we've got the Jesus of the New Testament, who is very much part of everyday life, um, and going through all the things that we've gone through. But he's still God. But he laid aside his majesty, gave up everything for me, suffered at the hands of those he had created. Now, when you put all this together, how on earth are you going to understand it? That's where I, I get now. Where, how do I understand this? All these different aspects of Jesus. Well, we then have, are in a danger of putting him into a box that would suit what we want. But in actual fact, he says, I've got the answer. I've got the answer. You're going to be able to see me in all these facets. I've got the answer. And it's John chapter 14, uh, verses 15 to 17. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot recognize him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you, but now and later will be in you. So he was telling the disciples then, yeah, the Holy Spirit is here with you, but there's something more to come. And that's Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit comes. Again, we've got Jesus here. My favorite chapters of the Bible are John 14 to 17 because they're, they're the last time Jesus sat down again with a meal and talked all this through and said, when he comes, look, guys, I'm aware. You're aware of what it's like for you. You're going to need something more. I'm leaving you, but don't worry. Don't worry. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And he, he will reveal me. And so you will continue that contact with me through the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 25. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. When the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. It also says in chapter 16 and verse 14, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever, whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. The Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. He will reveal the glory of Jesus. 
So we can, we can have an experience way beyond our own um, mind, uh, what we think and try and work out. But Jesus says, I'm sending your Holy Spirit and he will reveal he will show to you. That's why when we get baptized in the Spirit, we might be there in the presence of God for hours. I remember when I was baptized in the Spirit, I thought I'd been praying for a few minutes, and the two people that were with me said, Sue, we've been and had coffee. We've been, it's two hours since you sat there in the presence of God. Don't you realize that? Um, because once we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us. We don't want to move from his presence. We want to stay in his presence. Don't we? That's where we want to be. We want to experience him. It, it's all there in, in the Old Testament, isn't it? We, we all know the Joel prophecy. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Um, Zechariah 4, again, a famous verse we know. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit wants to baptize us, live within us, release the power, but he wants more than anything else to show the glory of Jesus. Because I think when we see the glory of Jesus, we start getting excited because we realize just how great and mighty he is. When we have that revelation. Now we want a continuing revelation, don't we? We want it forever. And we need, sometimes we need to keep on saying, Lord, I want a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit to see me through. Um, But what I want to get over to us this morning is we want to see Jesus. And we want to see Jesus in his glory. We don't just want to see Jesus the man that would sort of fit into our thinking and fit into how we Work. This is why sometimes when God does things in our lives, supernaturally, going back again to the risk-taking of, uh, of um, Paul, Paul was talking about the last few weeks, risk-takers are people who have sat in the presence of Jesus and know that he can do it by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's the risk-takers. I would strongly recommend you don't take risks if you haven't sat in the presence of Jesus because <laughs> you'll make some huge mistakes probably. So this really is, is all what I want to say this morning. It's the birthday of the church. It's Pentecost. Jesus said... He would send his Holy Spirit and we could receive a baptism of his Holy Spirit. We could enter into his presence by the Holy Spirit because we can't do it of ourselves. 
You know, have you ever tried? I have tried banging my head against the wall, thinking, God, I've got to see you. I've got to see you. I've got to know you. And then, of course, he, the Holy Spirit comes and says, I will do it. I will do it. Can I say something else as well? Just when we pray at the end. Often my experience has been with people when they, people have come to the front and said, I, I want to experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we pray. Don't always expect a one-minute done deal. This isn't the same as becoming a Christian. When we become a Christian, it's an agree, we go to Jesus and say, forgive me my sins, come into my life, and it's a done deal, boom. Yeah. That's it. When we come and say, I, I, want, I want more. I want baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want more of your Holy Spirit. We can lay hands on you and, and, and believe in that moment God will do it. But that doesn't necessarily mean God will do it in, like that. He wants you to come into his presence, therefore, and spend time. And you might go home. I want to tell you this. Many times, Dennis and I would lay in bed in the middle of the night with a telephone on the pillows between us as somebody had asked to be prayed for in a service, they said they'd gone home and they just, oh, they were feeling the Holy Spirit and oh, they got before the Lord. And in the middle of the night, they started speaking in tongues so they would ring us up. <laughs> now, ring up the Lord, yes. And <laughs> oh, we used to lay there and, and somebody would be there and they'd say, God's done this for us. We've had this wonderful experience. And I've been for hours in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord has given me the gift of tongues. And, then, and, I'm, and we're laid in bed thinking, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can I go back to sleep? <laughs> All I'm trying to say is this. It's an, it, it's, it, it can be a long time. It can be a big, long experience. And in fact... We want to live in the presence of the Holy Spirit forever, don't we? We don't want to come out of that presence, but we know sometimes we do come off the mountaintop and then we, have to, we go back, back up. Um, Jesus knows what we, what we are. Uh, but the fact is, if God is going to do something in your life even this morning, you need to probably go home and say, Lord, I need to get into your presence. Lord, reveal yourself to me. And as you spend that time, because what did Jesus say to the disciples at Pentecost? Go and wait. Go and wait. And I'm sure that they were there waiting on God to do something. Well, do we want, big question is, do we want more experience of the Holy Spirit? Do we want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do we want a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit? Is he still knocking at your door even? Are you at that place where you are meeting together with him and sharing, sharing with what he's got to say and having, having a meal with him? Where are you this morning? The question is, where are you this morning? Where am I this morning? with the Holy Spirit. But this is a tremendous opportunity because it's Pentecost. I'm using the day. I'm using the day. What do you want? 
we're in the apostolic age. We're here to fulfill the purposes of God in our generation. Aren't we? That's what we want to do. But we need, we need more, more, more of God's Holy Spirit in our lives to achieve that, to achieve all God. As the Archbishop of Canterbury this morning put it far better than I could put it. He was brilliant this morning talking about and and today later today on Trafalgar Square there is going to be a a, um, a, a meeting um, Matt Redman is leading it and they are going to be seeking the power of the Holy Spirit to come on the people there in Trafalgar Square that's better than Brexit isn't it so I really believe the church as a whole not just us are feeling that need to get to grips today with the Holy Spirit in our lives and giving him the freedom and saying, come and glorify Jesus in my life. Because when Jesus is glorified in my life, the world will see it. Do you know, they'll see that more than miracles. I've seen plenty of people see miracles. I've seen people get healed and never come to Christ. But when people see the glory of Jesus in your life, they say, wow, that's what I want and that's what I need. So this morning, it's open. It's open. Can I just say this? It's not a big hugging this morning. We're not here to hug each other because we're not here to share each other's problems and I need prayer for this, I need prayer for... I, I want us to be today, if we're coming for prayer, we're coming to experience more of the glory of God, more of his Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit if you haven't yet had that experience, to start you on, the, as it were, that walk. And... And also, I, I, I know particularly God has laid two people on my heart this morning to pray for um, that the Holy Spirit is going to put something into their lives new. Um, so there we are. If you need prayer this morning, you just want to come forward and say, I want more, I need more of the Holy Spirit, then come forward, just feel free. And we will pray. Yeah. Okay. Julie, that's fine. If if we could all all stand up and <laughs> I'm feeling really excited this morning. <laughs> if you really would like to receive the Holy Spirit and you've never done it before forward. If you want a, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit, come forward. But I'm, I'm begging you, don't miss it. Don't miss it. This is an opportunity for you to come forward and receive the Holy Spirit this morning. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. 
of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. And I am a child. I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God.
spirit break out heaven come down King Jesus you're the name we're lifting high your glory shaking up the earth and skies revival we want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. King Jesus, you're the name we're lifting high. Your glory shaking up the earth and sky. Revival. We want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. Spirit break out. Break your walls down. Spirit break Break your walls down 
bring the Holy Spirit to the start of our day, Lord. Then everything we do, your Holy Spirit is there. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you so much that we can stand here as a church because of your Holy Spirit, because of you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we just take that into our lives. Thank you. Amen. We're going to continue praying. If you need prayer this morning, please do come forward. Um, if you're new to us, you are so, so welcome. Hope House. Uh, we've got our new Connections Corner. Um, you get to know about the life of our church. So if you want to stick around, we've got our teas and coffees. Um, it'll be great to see you at our live lounge at six. Have a great Sunday, everybody.